Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ask Me Anything About Employment with Peter Travisano. Uh, my name is David Blair, and I'll be your moderator today. This webinar is not a presentation, but an interactive question and answer period. And for the next hour, Peter will take any questions you have related to financial benefits and employment. Peter has more than 25 years of management experience in the vocational rehabilitation field. And in 2010, Peter was certified as a community work incentives coordinator and later became manager of Benny Plan, a work incentives planning and uh, assistance program operated through Work Without Limits at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Uh, since 2014, Peter has served as the manager of the Work Without Limits Administration Employment Network, uh, currently partnering with 12 community-based vocational rehabilitation programs with the goal of maximizing revenue through Social Security's Ticket to Work program, while providing detailed and ongoing work incentives, counseling to individuals assigned to Ticket to Work. Today's event is part of the National Resource Center on Employment, jointly funded by the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research, and the Center for Mental Health Services, within the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administ uh, Services Administration, a part of the Department of Health and Human Services. The content of this webinar does not represent the views or policies of the funding agencies, and you should not assume endorsement by the federal government. Uh, during registration for the event, you were given the opportunity to submit questions in advance. Over the course of the webinar, we will alternate between questions you have submitted in advance and the ones you have today. Uh, to ask questions over the phone, please indicate that you would like in the chat box, and when called upon, you can press star star on your phone to unmute yourself. Uh, you may also type into the chat box, uh, and I'll read them to Peter on your behalf. I want to say that you're uh, seeing someone can't hear me well. I want to, I'll try to speak up more. I want to say your participation now is critical to the success of this event. And as a reminder, if you've joined us by telephone, please make sure to mute your computer speakers before asking a question. It can cause this echo sound that's not pleasing for anyone to listen to. So with that, welcome to the webinar, and I hope you enjoy the next hour. Um, to get us started, Peter's just going to give us a brief introduction to help frame Peter. Well, hi, everybody. I'm thrilled to be here, chat a little bit with what's on work, public benefit, security, health, Medicare or any other benefits that people receive about, especially light. So uh, chat a bit about um, Social Security benefits and health care benefits, give you some further, uh, it'll be my pleasure to chat with you and have answers that you might have regarding. You could also talk about, provide work-related benefits counseling here at UMass Medical School and around the state of the nation that's exactly tailored to what you do. So uh, just taking a look at Social Security benefits, uh, as we know, there are two Based benefits that people are receiving, and uh, SSDI is a benefit that received through a work record, Social Security Disability, and that's exactly what it is, a program that is a benefit by having worked enough to uh, be eligible. It's actually a very good benefit to have in, in many ways if you're working or thinking about going back to work. With SSDI, there are three phases of the program initially provide a high level of uh, support as people are uh, going back to work and then as people are able to uh, levels of support begin to the theory that people are able to work may not. So with SSDI, people are in work period. That is month. Uh, 
basis. No risk at all. The same trial work period as being minimum of nine. You trial work for those hours. It wasn't that different trial. So that happens. Still work and get your SSDI. But you have to be aware of the fact that earnings of more than $1,180 make temporarily in the beginning, but ultimately over cost. <coughs> SSI is a very different program. What happens with SSI, very simply, is that it's $30. So let's say a person goes back to the administration will attract $85 by the remainder of $800. That by two. Yeah, that's a long story short. Uh, hard to lose <coughs> health care benefits due to employment. Talk about that and that. But your health care benefits are usually important to know that there's help out there for people that are in the program funded by Social Security to help without the West Pack. Those folks, we also are going benefits counseling here. We're already problems. So that's uh, just very briefly a few remarks that I have. And if you have a well, little over. Well, well, thank you for that. And as a reminder, uh, everyone, you're welcome to type your questions into the chat box. We have a number that have been submitted already online, and we can start with those. Uh, for anyone who's unfamiliar, uh, with the acronyms being, I think it becomes so familiar to us that we, we say them without thinking. Uh, SSDI is Social Security Disability, and SSI is Supplemental Security Income. Uh, and to help Peter understand kind of who the audience is today, there's a mix of people there from a, across the country. The greatest representative is uh, the greatest number from North Carolina, and then a mix from Massachusetts. Washington, California, a, number, a large number from Alabama. And so just, just to help you understand. So with that, since I don't see anyone's type of question and yet, I'll I'll go in advance. Uh, Elsa from California asks, is there a way for someone on SSI to save money more than $2,000? It's enough money to purchase a car. Well, there actually is a really good program called the PASS Plan. So the any any money that you uh, earn that uh, going toward your employment goal, the, uh, Buying a car, gold money that you can make a that already will accept self-sufficient. That money can be saved, and also the money that's earned. Or, yeah, say you go to work, twelve hundred dollars a month, saving that for a car. You know that money will not. Great, thank you. And Peter, uh, uh, Krista in the room just asked, what was the name of the program you mentioned? She didn't quite that's hear it. Called the Path Plan, Plan to Achieve self I believe right. it needs to be applied for formally. Apply for a powerful tool. To help Dave. Thank you. Uh, James in the room today asks, uh, what's the best site to get overviews of benefit rules and regulations? Where do you live, James? And, and I don't see him type. Uh, let's just uh, imagine you're in Massachusetts for now until he answers. But where would you look? Well, if he, if he is in Massachusetts, go to uh, Without Limits uh, Benefit Counseling site. Tell the very Thank you. Um, and until James updates his state, we'll, we'll move on. Next question. Um, Dana asks, uh, what do you say to a person who is considering employment but is convinced by family members they will lose their benefits? I think it would be a great idea for them to get in touch with their, uh, what they call, work incentive planning program in there. Great. And you can uh, look that up through uh, Social Security's web. Try to find that for you and uh, put that out there. But each, uh, so if you call the, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to put that up a little later in the call. You for that. But I think what would really be most helpful connect with a work incentive special in your area and our trusting relationship with a work maker are specialists all Sure. Thank you. Uh, Samantha uh, asks, for those whose employment income fluctuates, inconsistent hours at work, for example, how do we address quarters where they earn more money to be eligible for Medicaid? Uh, they're from the state of Ohio, earned more than 
4,500 and a quarter. Fortunately, about the state of Ohio, my state of Massachusetts uh, Medicaid program, but each uh, program is different. So how does it work in Massachusetts? So Massachusetts is uh, going to be essentially that's on SSI. They get $40,000 a year, $1,000 in liquid assets, then call Medicaid. They're an SSDI, then they may scale. It's an affordable, but once you get, by the way, for the person in Ohio, long Thank you for that. Uh, Sherry asks, if someone has been out of the workforce due to illness and there's a large gap in their employment, uh, what's the best way to note that on a job application or on a resume? Well, that's an interesting question uh, that I think requires a lot of thought. One thing that I've suggested to a number of people that are going back to work is if they are if they've been out of work for a while, develop some reasons that are ability-related might explain why they're out of work. Have they had to take care of a family member who has some yeah, developed their education. You want to be able to try to find ways that are not necessarily related to disclosure. Uh, disclosure is not that much of an issue. A player who is part of hiring people with disabilities and you know that I would... Thank you. Uh, KB asks, and this is a California question, but, you know, do your, do your best. Uh, do you work with the Department of Rehabilitation and Mental Health Program to refer Board of Employment? Well, we... Definitely do. So if our our whole reason for being is to help people with uh, disability back to work. They feel that they can. The best life that world to various services for mental health, developmental disabilities. Elijah asks, uh, what materials does I'm guessing, it says NYS? I'm guessing New York State state take into consideration when seeing if someone who is terminally ill will qualify for supplemental security income benefits or not, and when and or if that individual passes away, will supplementary security income come and take their home, car, et cetera? Uh, this individual does not qualify for social. So uh, a person in New York State, uh, what does SSI take into consideration for someone who is terminally ill? And in particular, when or if that person passes away, will SSI come for their home, car, their asset? Well, good news on that is home or a car did not count as that program. So I don't see a reason why SSI would come after somebody's home car under any. So as long as it's one home and one car. And Peter, can we try uh, having you pick up the phone and set a speaker for a minute, see if this improves the audio? Good. Does this help? Uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good. I'm hearing an echo from you all of a sudden. Do you have your computer speakers on? Okay, I've got the speaker off now. Oh, perfect. That should, that should clean it up. Okay. That's much better. Uh, Samantha asked, uh, and she asked a question earlier about uh, the state of Ohio and the uh, $4,500 a quarter earning income. She asked, uh, our Medicaid limit is near 16000 a year. In other states, how do you address the inconsistent income? Do they supplement with Medicare temporarily? Well, with, there's no Medicare availability for people on SSI. Medicare is a benefit that it strictly uh, is connected to SSDI. So if, if the person's on SSI and uh, there's an issue with um, um, Medicaid eligibility, Medicare is not going to be part of the solution to that. Uh, also, I'm not. I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, but um, that's a very low number in Ohio. I'm a little surprised to see that. But uh, you're clear that that's the number. I'm. I'm going to assume that's that's what it is. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. But I don't see. I don't see an, a solution uh, for, for on the Medicare side. Well, hopefully, hopefully, Samantha. Uh, 
go uh, the client Samantha says the client was notified that it was the income limitation and lost benefit. And this person's getting SSI for sure. Uh, employment income. But uh, my question is: Is this uh, is this beneficiary an SSI beneficiary for sure? Uh, she doesn't uh, answer that specific question. Unfortunately, I see her typing in. She she's writing in SSI and employment income. Uh, other clients no. reached the maximum when combined, so that has also happened. Well, I think for uh, you know issues that related to Ohio, I'm not I'm not really the person that could provide detailed information on that. I would suggest getting a hold of the um, Work Instead of Planning and Assistance program in Ohio, and they could give her exact information regarding the rules. Um, our next question comes from uh, Samantha. Says thank you so much. Our next question comes from Anne. And she asks, what is your experience with job retention by individuals with a mental health disorder? And uh, and I'll go ahead and add on to that. How would you help improve retention? Well, I think that's a great question. I've I've seen people succeed for quite a long time with very significant mental health. Um, I've also seen people that have struggled and not uh, kept jobs long. And there are uh, my cat from getting in front of the computer screen here, but uh, uh, I would say that the, there's a couple things that I would keep in mind. I think it's really cr crucial that people get a couple kinds of a couple types of support. One is that they if they're working, they should really be in connection with a experienced employment program or counselor that can provide them with guidance in terms of, uh, uh, you know, maintaining their job. Could be through state vocational rehab, could be through a mental health program that they may have, and that's important. I think it's also important that people get really accurate information about how work impacts their benefits. I've seen a lot of people that were <clears throat> working successfully, but maybe they hear something that's uh, out on the street or incorrect about how work's going to affect their benefits, and uh, before too long, job disappears because the person is so fearful about losing the little that they have in public benefit, but they just don't want to risk working uh, long. So uh, what I'm going to put out, uh, at least at the, by the end of this uh, call, is, a, is uh, information about how to get in touch with your um, local work instead of planning and assistance program. This is going to give people specific information from their state uh, so that they can uh, get accurate information based on the rules in their location. But connection with WIPA is really important. And we know that people that work with the work instead of planning and assistance programs across the country have longer job retention by a significant amount, those who don't. Thank you. Uh, and again, just a reminder for anyone in the room, if you would like, Peter, welcome to ask by indicating in the chat box, or please do type and we'll, we'll get to your questions first. Uh, Daniel submitted a question in Van, uh, and his question is that I work with and do not close their job record due to them not staying with one job. Is there a problem with doing that? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I'm not aware of, of a um, requirement by the um, by Social Security about how they manage their um, you know records in terms of employment. The key thing that people always should remember, and it's really an important thing that I want to get to in this call is uh, how to report income to Social Security. Probably the single reason that people have difficulty with Social Security. Uh, people should be reporting their income by submitting copies of their pay stubs to Social Security on a monthly basis. That way Social Security knows what's going on as far as their employment goes. Sometimes we think that the government just knows everything um, about our, our work and all of these things. And it may be true that in some database uh, this 
information is collected. But unless we report that directly to Social Security on a monthly basis, they're not really recording that information. As a result, Social Security may um, not be as aware as they might be about what a person is doing, look at a person's record maybe a year after they started working, and all of a sudden see that the person's been employed. That means that the person's going to owe money back for that entire period of time, and that creates a really big problem. And those, and those are really the horror stories that we hear on the street about employment. So if we don't get anything else from this call, the thought that people should be reporting by sending copies of their pay stubs on a monthly basis to their local Social Security office is really an important. Thank you for that reminder, Peter. Uh, KB asks, what types of job industry do you see most with individuals that are diagnosed with mental illness? And what positions are out there for them? Well, there's a lot of things, and I wouldn't limit it to um, one thing or another. But one thing that I think people with that are recovering from mental illness have a special skill at is working as peer support counselors with other people with uh, me mental illness. And this is a growing uh, job area where uh, organizations are really interested in hiring. Uh, you know, there's no more important skill level than learned experience with a disability. Uh, so if, if you're a person with a mental illness and you have an interest in human services or mental health support, you may find a, a open door in terms of uh, doing some work and at a higher level of pay than simply entry-level pay because you've already got some experience that really has a value. Um, <clears throat> um, Melva asks, what would you suggest uh, would be the best way to deal with a colleague who is uh, appears unmotivated and apathetic towards Well, there can be a lot of reasons for uh, lack of motivation. Uh, a lot of times I think people are not motivated principally out of fear. Uh, there can be a number of reasons why a person might be fearful. They might be fearful because they feel that they might not be able to succeed. Uh, they might be fearful because they might be fearing that they will lose their benefits based on information that may not be correct. Uh, I think that uh, it would be helpful for that person to be getting some uh, support uh, around whatever their fears are, because I think uh, that accurate information has a way of uh, lightening a person's load in terms of what they're concerned about. And I always think that accurate information regarding benefits uh, allows people to see things in a much more positive way, because the work incentives are out there to, to allow people to work. And if they know that they can work successfully without having their benefits taken away, can uh, provide a kind of a new way of looking at uh, getting back to work. Uh, John asks us, how do I maintain health care benefits if I take a job but later become sick again? And are there any changes uh, coming soon? Well, um, John on the call? I do not see him. Yeah. So, um, well, if uh, John's an SSDI beneficiary, that means he's uh, receiving Medicare. Uh, and in order to lose Medicare, that really requires some doing. A person would have to work to the point where they've zeroed out their SSDI benefits for seven and a half years, 93 months, for the Medicare would uh, not be out there for them. As far as um, um, Medicaid benefits, those are uh, benefits that are administered differently in each state. So I'd have to know where John was from in order to answer that question specifically. But once again, if John contacts the uh, with a program in his state, they should be able to give uh, them, give, give him uh, pretty accurate information quickly. And what was that acronym you just used? What program? 
uh, WIPA, Work Incentive Planning and Assistance. So I want to underline that uh, as a really important resource, and I'm going to provide that information uh, after the call for everybody. But Work Incentive Planning and Assistance is a program that's uh, uh, operated by Social Security, funded by Social Security, and uh, is and is available in all 50 states. And uh, these are benefit specialists that don't work for Social Security, but are very well trained and certified and can provide information based on the um, exact rules for each one of the uh, states that we're concerned about. So we've got a wide uh, demographic out there. So it's, a, it's difficult to answer many of the healthcare questions because they're operated statewide, but the different uh, Work Incentive Planning and Assistance Program can provide very accurate information. Um, so, Christina, uh, David, if I oh, go ahead. is there a way for me to uh, post this after the call that so that people can see it? Absolutely. If you or, send me an email, uh, I can send out uh, a message to everyone with with what you've you've been mentioning. So we can do it all after right. after this is over, and I'll include a, a recording of this conversation. Uh, I think uh, WIP is going to be a great resource for everybody because that. What WIPA will do is meet with each um, person individually, uh, get a copy of their Social Security record so that uh, we know exactly what we're talking about in terms of that individual situation, and uh, do a benefit summary and analysis, uh, in, which can be provided in writing so the person knows exactly what to expect in terms of uh, work, including their health care. Sure. Uh, in the room right now, Christina just asked, are these work incentives presented going patient process? I find that when I present them, folks almost don't believe it or trust it. Their fear of losing income paralyzed. Any suggestions on how to promote working in a way that isn't so scary? Yeah, it's a it's a big problem. And I think most people <clears throat> that uh, have a disability just start right out of the gate thinking that, uh, you know, any work is going to jeopardize their uh, benefit. And uh, it's just not true. Uh when a person applies for benefits, uh, Social Security provides this information at all. It's not it's not really very clear. Um, and again, I think a great resource is uh, working with your local uh, WIPA program. Their job is to get that information out there in a way that's tailored to each uh, individual area. And their mission actually is to help people, uh, you know, succeed in terms of uh, their employment. So I think uh, a tremendous resource to use on an ongoing basis is your local work instead of planning. Yeah, and James is writing in the room right now that to help reduce anxiety, uh, he's repeating the words patient and then the words incurred. Right. And, well, you know, as I, as I think through the questions and the issues that were talking about today, uh, we can give some very general information in a phone call, but to apply things in a way that uh, allows for that patient support, I think really goes back to working uh, closely with the WIPA program, because they're going to be able to work with people individually, provide them with timely information ongoing. Um, a different Christina uh, has a question about uh, supplemental security income. And how does sure. working hinder this benefit? And she goes on to ask about the temporary assistance for needy families and government. And how does work? Well, I can only really talk about the SSI benefit. And sure. uh, I think the important thing to just keep in mind with SSI is that the calculation is always going to be the same with SSI. Um, <clears throat> They're going to disregard the first $85 that are earned and uh, then look at the remaining amount of gross income, divide that by two, and that's what the SSI check's going to look like. So let's say a person went to uh, work and they earned uh, $1,085 in a month. So 
Social Security is not going to count the first 85. That will leave $1,000 that they're going to look at, divide that amount by two, and that's the amount that the SSI check is going to be uh, reduced by. So I guess there's a couple of ways of looking at that. Um, if you go to work, the SSI check is going to go down by a little less than half. But in many cases, so there's still going to be um, SSI uh, cash benefit, at least on a reduced basis. If a person um, went to work and they weren't receiving SSI, they would simply get the money that they were earning. But because a person has a disability and Social Security provides supplemental income, there's still some money that's going to be eligible to that. So... Uh, you know, you, we can't say that working is not going to affect the SSI substantially, but what a person should have, unless they're working at a pretty high level, like more than $1,600 a month, should be something coming that person's way in terms of SSI, and there should be a way for that person's mass health or their uh, Medicaid. And th this one's going to be uh, on my behalf, and I've heard you talk a lot about, and my question for you is, what questions should someone who's thinking about returning for work be asked, but they don't? That yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, I would, from from the benefit side, I would once again be be looking at uh, contacting a um, work instead of planning and assistance uh, counselor and having that person do a, a thorough analysis of how work's going to affect that person's benefit. Uh, that way, a person's going to get a, a lot of information. And, you know, it's, I think, David, what you're saying is, you know, it's not what you know that's that, that can hurt you. It's, it's what you don't know. But right. that, that the work instead of planning an assistance person is going to be able to see all of that and be able to tailor information based on that individual. But I, I wouldn't go back to work unless you really had a, a good understanding that you felt confident in. Uh, that's going to make going back to work so much easier. But if you're going back to work with a lot of holes in your understanding and a lot of worries. Um, it just makes the difficult job of getting back to work that much harder. Well, thank you. Uh, Deborah in the room just asked, can you talk about the ABLE account and how it's helpful to people on benefits who are working? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <sighs> you know what? I'm What I'm going to do is provide uh, a link to ABLE information. It's a little bit complicated, and uh, I'd rather... I'd rather just put that out in a way so that people can see it directly. But it's a but it's a powerful uh, work incentive, and uh, I want you to have information that's going to be uh, clear to you. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to get that to Deborah uh, shortly after this call. Uh, Kathy asks, if an employer hires a disabled person, uh, does the employer get a credit when they hire? And I'm guessing this yes. is a tax credit. Yeah, there's the um, what they call WATSI or the Work Opportunity Tax Credit. So for people. So if a, an employer hires a person on SSI, not SSDI, but on SSI, they're going to be eligible for a t for a significant tax credit uh, that I believe is has a, a, a value of about five thousand dollars a year if a person er, uh, stays on the job for the full year and achieves uh, earning earning milestones in that. Um, and, and Peter, I know we're we're running low on time here, and at the beginning of the call, uh, you mentioned there was a lot that you wanted to that you're hoping to be able to talk about and hoping to get questions on in, related to Social Security benefits, health care benefits, the work incentives counseling that I've received in Massachusetts Medical School. Uh, a lot of questions probably haven't, be asked, haven't been asked. Is there you want to share? Well, one thing that I do want to put out, uh, and I'll also provide a link to this information, is that, um, that we can, at UMass Medical School, through the Ticket to Work program, uh, we can work with you directly uh, and provide you with the same services that WIFA provides. Now, folks, to be for folks to be eligible for that program, you 
need to have an earning goal that could take you to $1,180 a month. That's what Ticket to Work is really all about, is helping achieve that level of earning. But if you're interested in um, working with us or finding out if you qualify or anything like that, give me a call at 508-56-2792. And I'll also provide contact information after the call. And I'd be very happy to talk with you directly about uh, working with us. And that, again, is for people that have an earning goal of significant income, which would be $1,180 a month. But if you're thinking about earning at that level, I would certainly encourage you to be getting good information regarding your benefits, and we'd be happy to work. Thank you for that, Peter. Uh, Vanessa uh, has a question about what has your been with expedited uh, social disability? It's been really high. Uh, to tell you the truth, when it comes to EXR or dealing with overpayments and that type of thing, I've uh, been doing this for a lot of years, and we're pretty close to 100% in terms of helping people uh, get their benefits back. Uh, so it's something that I actually enjoy doing. Uh, the rules are complicated, but I hate to see people with disabilities uh, struggle unnecessarily uh, because of the complexities of the rules, and we're very ha happy to help with that. So uh, as long as a person is, uh, maintains their disability and their earnings are below that $1,180 amount, uh, there's every chance in the world to think that they could be successful at uh, getting back on benefits through uh, expedited. Thank you. Uh, Kim uh, writes that my son doesn't want to return to work, but I want to help him gain independence. What can I do? Uh, well, uh, it, I think it would be important to contact, and this is something that you've probably thought of yourself, Kim, but uh, you know, being in touch with the uh, support services around your son's disability, using those services to help him be as independent as possible certainly be uh, helpful. Also, you know, I think work is probably the best door in terms of uh, developing independence. So if he can do some things that are even just at a entry level in terms of employment, whether it's working part-time on a limited basis or working on a volunteer level, I think that, that that can begin to open some doors as well. Um, the next question from Vic, and she writes, uh, if someone has both supplemental security income and social security disability, and begins to work, how will those two benefit? Well, that's a complicated question. So both of the rules regarding those programs are going to be in effect, and they're going to affect those two checks according to the rules of that program. So we've talked a little bit about how work affects SSI. So the SSI check is going to be reduced by a little less than half. With SSDI, there's the trial work period where a person can make an unlimited amount of money for a minimum of nine months. Uh, once the person's earned $850 in nine different months and the trial work period ends, no longer make an unlimited amount of money. But as long as they're earning less than $1,180 a month, they'll be eligible for the SSDI check. If the person goes over 1180 they're not going to be eligible for an SSDI check in the months that they go over. This will be true for three years after the end of the trial work period. Once that, uh, once those three years are used, then the person it may ri risk losing their SSDI check. So both of those uh, programs are going to apply their rules based on the amount of money that the person gets in their check. So you're going to have to be aware of both programs. Um, Nicole asks, how do you answer the question from clients who are not sure working is, uh, quote-unquote, worth the hassle? Well, I think the best answer is just information. People know 
exactly what to expect as far as their uh, how work's going to affect their benefit. They're going to be able to make good decisions based on what they really want to do. My experience is, is when people really understand how work's going to affect the benefit, they're much more likely to go back to work. Also, if they know that they've got a trusted person that they know is going to be there for them to provide information as they go through time uh, and is going to be able to help them with issues with Social Security, nobody wants to feel the weight of the Social Security program applying complicated rules they don't understand how to respond to. But if they know that there's somebody there in their corner, I think they're much more likely to take a risk and succeed at employment. So once again, I'll provide the information regarding the WIPA program because they're going to be the people in each local area who can provide that. Thank you. Um, and I'm just looking at the, the group chat and seeing what other people have added. Um, in terms of the question about gaining, and Deborah recommends that people consider joining a club. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, if there's a clubhouse in your area, it can make a, a huge difference. Clubhouses are not only great in terms of helping people get back to work, but provide a community of recovery that can really provide a person with a lot of different kinds of support, vocational support, housing support, job training support, and maybe more importantly, just having a group of peers that share the same issues can really provide a, a community of recovery to help. Excellent. Uh, we're pretty much out of time, Peter. Do you have any any closing thoughts for us before I wrap up? Uh, well, just to be clear, um, I'll provide the WIPA information. Um, I can also provide contact information to our program here at UMass, and we can serve people um, anywhere in the country. Uh, so if you've if you've got an earning goal of the 1180 or more, we'd love to have you contact us for sure. Uh, we can assign your ticket to work, and Ticket to Work is an ongoing program. It's uh, There's no time limit to it, and we can provide you with ongoing um, benefit information and support for as long as you're looking to um, work or, 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 or on the job. Um, so I'll provide the, uh, the WIP information. I'll provide the um, information for our program. But what I really want people to do is know that there are people in their corner and their part of the country can provide them. Uh, if anyone would like that passed on to someone who isn't registered, uh, if you email psyrehab at bu.edu, I'll make sure they get a copy of it too. Um, I would like to thank uh, Peter for answering the questions today and everyone for attending. Thank you again, everyone, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Great day.